All right. Today we're continuing our family series. Don kicked it off last week, and as I was telling you earlier, just kind of defined what the family is, what that looks like. And today in particular, as we continue, we want to take a specific look at the role of the wife and the mother within the family. You know, today is Mother's Day, and I thought there's no better way to tell you about the role of the wife and the mother than to ask my wife, who is a mother, to come and share with me, because I can tell you what it's supposed to be like, and then she can tell you what it's really like, and we'll give you the different perspectives. So we'll just kind of give you some, uh, some controversy there. And for all of you, those of you that speak Spanish, I learned this this morning, Feliz Dia de Madres. Ariel, where are you? Did she get it right? All right. Good? Okay. We've started TBA in Espanol. It's a third service in the afternoons. It is a Spanish-speaking service, and so all of us are attempting to learn Spanish. It's quite a long journey. I've got a nice little application on my phone that's teaching me by games, and I'm not very quick at it, but we'll get there. In honor of Mother's Day, you know, as I think about mom, and I think about what mom has meant to me, the word that comes to my mind is safe. You know, mom is, is, for most of us, has been thought of as a safe place. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of roles that mom plays, things like nurturer, caregiver, taxi driver, tutor, cheerleader, cook, maid, and it just keeps going and going and going as she's showing you. But I think the biggest thing is that mom has always been available. You know, she's been the one that's there for us and the one who cares for us and looks out for us. And girls, all of these are very important jobs, and, um, but I know if you're like me, you struggle to keep things in order, um, you struggle to keep all those plates spinning, or if you're trying to juggle the, all the different roles that you have, it's hard to keep your priorities straight and in the right order. And so I would encourage you that the first thing that you need to have in order is to put God first. Um, he's the one that orders our steps, and um, when we get that out of line, everything else is going to fall around you. The second thing I would say is your husband needs to be second after that relationship. And if you're a single mom, my hat is off to you. I do not know how you do it. Um, I struggle, and there's two of us, and, um, but we are outnumbered. And um, I think God has a special place for you in his heart, and I think your castle is going to be bigger than mine, so I may have to come over for tea. <laughs> and if you're single and you're thinking, yeah, Mother's Day, I'm not a mom, I want to be, um, I know how you feel. I was there, um, I was 32 before I was married, and since I was eight years old, that's all I ever dreamed about. But I would tell you first, blessed art thou among women, because you can do exactly what you want, when you want, you don't have to answer to anybody, so it's just you and God. But um, seriously, just um, learn to be content where you are and where God has you, because you can do greater things for the Lord than we can, because we have all these other things taking our attention. And third should be our children. Um, the best thing that we can give our children is a healthy marriage. And everything else and everybody else, you're going to have to take a number. And guys, I think our priorities really are the same. You know, the only perspective I can give you this morning is that of a husband and a dad and from the role that I come from. But you know, I think as I look at this list of mom's priorities, they're not just for mom, they're for all of us. Now, granted, guys, it's, it's God and then wife, not husband. We'll, we'll switch that around to make it fit for us. But... You still have to get these, these priorities in order. It's, it's God and then wife and then children and then everything else. And for us as guys, that's hard to do. We get our priorities out of line all the time. I mean, think about who we are as guys. When we meet somebody, what do you do? You tell them your name and then what's the next question? What do you do, right? Because we find value in what we do. We find value in our work and that's, that's a lot of who we are. And so many times we let our work take that priority 
when it really needs to be God first and then our family coming next. And so for us, it's important to see the same thing. So as we jump into things this morning, I thought it was really important that we take a look at the role of the wife in the relationship before we can even talk about mom and what that looks like with kids. So I want us to take a look at what the Bible says about the role of the wife in the family. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and this is back at the very beginning, his woman is being created. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, we paint this picture all the time and talk about all the time how the man is designed to be the leader in his house. He is designed to be the spiritual leader of his family. He is to lead his wife. And we paint this picture, but every time we think of leader, we think of this person walking ahead and kind of dragging everybody else along with them or pulling them along, walking out in front. And really, that's not the picture that's painted here. The word helper in the scripture is azer konegdo. Azer konegdo. It's a little bit hard to understand. Konegdo is, is simple. The azer part's a little more difficult. Konegdo says this, alongside or opposite to, a counterpart. And really what it's doing is painting a word picture for us, that it is not designed to be leading in front and dragging along. It is designed to be walking side by side, arm in arm, hand in hand, doing this together. Now the word azer, you ladies are going to love this. This is my favorite word. This one's a little harder to define. In English, we use words like helper, helpmate, companion, and those are all decent translations. But the thing is with this word, every time you see it in the Old Testament, it's only mentioned like 20 other times in the Old Testament, um, but every other time you see it, it's actually referring to God. And it is referring to God at a time when someone desperately needs him to show up in their life. Now, let me make this clear as a husband and a father this morning. I am not comparing our wives to God. Okay? But we're close. We are close, for sure. No, we are close. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Let me... It's your priority. <clears throat> but it, as we look at this concept, here's the picture that's painted. Husbands desperately need their wives to be that companion for them. It's not, you know, we, we see these movies and we hear the, the fancy lines, if you complete me, uh, that really is true. I but it's not just... Movies. Yeah, it's not just a completion, though. It is, as guys, we desperately need our wife to fulfill that role, to walk arm in arm with us, to walk side by side, to go on that journey alongside us. So it's very important that we understand that. I think, uh, I think one of the things that will hopefully help paint a picture for you, we want to just share a little bit of our story. And you look at this picture, this picture is from about a year, year and a half ago, I think. And, uh, you know, here's, here's our family. If you haven't met our three girls, now you'll know what they look like. They have a little shorter hair and a little taller now and some of those things, but... But generally, that's it. And, and here's a beautiful picture. And you look at that and you go, well, man, that family's got it together. They look good, right? Right? Yeah. Come on. Right. This, this isn't just a one-way thing. You've got to help a little bit. They say pictures paint a thousand <laughs> words, but they never tell the real story. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I think the thing for us is Sherry and I came to a place, and, and a lot of this started back in January for us, but we came to a place where we just realized we were not living out the Azer Conegdo. We were not walking side by side in our marriage. We were not walking arm in arm and doing things together. We were kind of on different pages. We were going in different directions. And I think Sherry and the girls were kind of going one direction, and I was going another. She teaches over in Eagle Lake, and so she was taking the girls with her to school so that they could be with her, and it, it just made it really easy because they got up and went with her in the mornings. They came home with her in the afternoons. But it was really tough on the girls, and in all of that, I was going in a, an opposite direction, really focusing a lot on my work, you know, and we were just, just kind of in different directions. We were very separated and very disconnected for a lot of that time. I don't think we were just necessarily on a different page. I think most of the days we were in a different book. I was writing my own story. He was writing his. Um, there was constant tension between us, um, between the girls. 
Um, Brian and I were very disconnected, and the kids were frustrated. Um, there was not a lot of peace in our home. Um, the girls started struggling in school with behavior and academics, and it just it just wasn't working all the way around. Well, and I think you could sum it up by just simply saying that we got to a place where family was not priority for us. You know, it just wasn't the priority. For me, I began to realize that my work had become my priority. You know, it was easy for me that Sherry would leave in the mornings with the girls, and, and she would take them to school with her, and, and they were leaving early. They'd leave the house by 7. Well, I came straight onto the office, and a lot of days I'd be here till 5 or 6 because she was getting home a little later in the afternoons with them by the time she wrapped up her job. And I was just kind of doing my own thing, and I was engrossed in my work. And I didn't realize it at the time. I had quickly come to a place where work was such a priority that there were moments where my family was almost a nuisance. It was like they were getting in the way of my schedule because I had things I needed to do. And so, you know, we were in this place where our priorities were just out of whack. And for me, I, don't, I wouldn't even say I really had any priorities. Um, I don't know if you, any of you ladies can identify, but I was just surviving um, just to survive the day and to start, hopefully get a little bit of rest and start the next day. Um, life was happening around me, but um, I really had no priorities. I, probably the most priority I had was my girls and um, letting them be my focus and putting all of my effort into them because I didn't have any strength left, so they were the ones that got everything. Well, we came to this place early in January where we just realized we can't keep going like this. We can't keep doing things the way we've been doing them. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. And you know, I was sharing a lot of my struggles with our pastor team one day. And you know, that, that's part of the beauty of who we are here at TVA. We do everything in team. And so even our pastor team, we were able to sit in the office and be able to share with each other, hold each other accountable and talk about things. And you know, so I'm sharing with them some of the struggles we're going through. Sherry and I are having some hard times. We feel disconnected. We're struggling with the kids, trying to get things lined out and help them be the best that they can be. And, you know, and I'm expecting them to encourage me and say, well, this is going to pass in a year or two, or you know, this is just a stage you're going through. It's going to be all better. And instead, I was met with accountability you know, because I was met with conversations like, well, have you realized how out of, how out of line your priorities are? Have you realized the things that you're doing? Have you realized you're spending too much time here and not enough time invested in your family? You know, do you see these things in your life? And a lot of it was a blind spot for me. And that was a hard day because I remember walking, going home that day after work and, and just thinking, man, what happened? How did I get here? How did I not see this coming? And uh, you know, I sat down that day, and in fact, the next day I took some time off where I just I sat and I prayed and I brainstormed and I, I began to write down on paper you know, what were the things that I saw in our family? What were some of the issues we were going through? What were some of the struggles? You know, and, and brainstorming some things. What can we do to change this? How can we begin to make a positive difference? And I, so I write all this stuff down and think through it and process and then Sherry and I get together and we begin to discuss it. You know, I told her in the beginning, just you know, let, me, let me vomit all this on you, basically. Let me throw all this towards you. And then you process with me and help me work through it. You know, and let's talk about, is this the direction we need to go? What are the solutions? You know, what do we do? And, and so that was a long meeting that night as we sat and talked. And, hours. Yeah, quite a few hours. And there were lots of tears. Um, lots of tears. So, uh, I we, know that shocks some of you that know me that I cried. But it was almost like it happened. Real, almost like we were watching a Publix commercial or something. <laughs> anyway, we, we had this conversation. We kind of got through things. We worked through a lot of our journey. And then, you know, from that point, we, we felt like we came up with some things that were possible solutions. And so we included our girls and sat down and had a family meeting the next day and said, you know, here's some things that are going on. Here's what mom and dad are seeing. You know, here's some changes we think that we need to make to make things better for you guys and to make things better for us and just to bring our family together a little better. And, you know, as you can see, I live in a house full of women. So there is a lot of emotion in our house all the time. Um, there's very little logic, and when I try to use logic, it does not work. 
And uh, so, you know, I'm trying to give the three-step solution in our meeting, and everybody's crying, and everybody's talking about how they feel, and, what's, and I'm going, this is foreign, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> but we, we kind of work through things, and the girls agree, you know, these are some positive steps, these are some things that we need to, need to do, and some things that need to change. And, you know, for me, a lot of it was a huge change in who I was, and even my priorities, because, you know, I, I got to the point I was really struggling with anger and frustration at home, because... Things weren't lining up with my schedule and the way I wanted them to go, and it was tough to work through a lot of that. And, and so as we sat down and had this meeting, one of the things I was talking to my wife and my girls about was, I'm going to be accountable to you. You know, I'm going to stop reacting in anger and reacting the way I have, and I'm going to be accountable for that. There are going to be consequences for my actions, the same as there's consequences for yours. And, and so we, we kind of walked through this, this family meeting together, talk about the plans, and one of the decisions we made was to move the girls back to Highland City Elementary here in town. They had been traveling to Eagle Lake with Sherry all the time, and, and it was just tough. I mean, they'd get home in the afternoons late. They'd basically eat dinner, do their homework, and go to bed. You know, there was no playtime. There was no downtime. There was no good family interaction time except for dinner, and, and uh, it was just tough. And so we moved them back here, which changed my schedule drastically because Sherry's still teaching in Eagle Lake, so this means I have to take them to school in the mornings. I have to pick them up in the afternoons. And so my office hours that used to range from 7 to 5 or 6 got squashed down to the end of this little 8 to 3 window because I'm dropping the kids off and picking them up. And it made me really change some things in how I work, how efficient I am, when I get work done and do other things. But the big thing it did was it changed my priorities towards my family. And, and it was a good thing, but it forced me into a position where I had to make my girls and my wife a priority instead of my job and begin to change some things. And it created some better family time for us, allows us to go to the park every once in a while, allows us to have some downtime at home and just play and have some good times. And it really has created a positive environment for our family. And I'm sure you're wondering, so how's it going now? Um, we moved the girls mid-January, and um, there have definitely been some great improvements. Um, I cried for probably the first week they weren't with me because um, they've two, ever... Two weeks. Whatever. <laughs> One, two, it all relative. Um, but we've definitely made some great improvements. There's definitely been a lot more peace in our house, which was very hard to find. Um, it's still a journey, and there are days that I feel like I get it wrong more than I get it right, but um, that's where grace comes in from my husband, my children, and my God. Um, and some days are still survival, um, but those are the days that we can look back and go, oh, yeah, my priorities are out of line again. And Brian can say, yeah, they are. I need to be second, you know. Or I can say, yeah, I need to be first. I mean, second. So. Yeah, exactly. I think the I think the thing of all of it is it comes back to our dependence on God. It's that first priority, because if we don't get that right, we're not going to get any of the rest right. Because that is the framework and the context under which our relationships can be healthy. If our relationship with Christ is not healthy, it's going to be really hard to have healthy relationships outside of that. And I love the picture that Paul paints in the in the book of Ephesians, chapter five. This first verse in particular, in verse 21, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think that really sets that context for what we're talking about today. You're not just submitting to your wife or your husband because you love them or because you get that ooey-gooey feeling. This is part of your relationship with Christ. It's part of the way you're showing that you're on that journey with him. It's out of reverence for him that you love your spouse in that way and submit to them. And he goes on to say, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now that's my favorite verse in all of scripture. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. You're taking it out of context. Yeah, well. But unfortunately he goes on and doesn't stop there. 
He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Makes it a little harder when you put it in that context, doesn't it? See, we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and he went all the way to the cross for the church, for you and I. And that's the picture of what we're supposed to do as husbands, to be that sacrificial in our love. That makes it a little harder, gives it a little different context. And then he wraps up like this. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. See, this is the context in which we have healthy marriage. This is the context in which we can be healthy parents. This is the context in which those relationships can be healthy. See, for husbands, until you submit to Christ, there is no way that you will ever be able to be the servant leader that God's calling you to be for your wife or your family. And as wives, until you submit to Christ, there's no way you will ever submit to your husband the way you're supposed to so that he can lead your family and allow him to do that. A healthy marriage is selfless. A healthy marriage does not thrive on selfishness, which we naturally do. Selfishness comes easy. That's the easy part for us. But being selfless, being sacrificial, giving of ourselves, that's not so easy. That's the hard part. But that's the example that Christ set for us in healthy relationship. And I know you're thinking, great, that kudos to you guys for doing all this work and your family's doing well, but what does that mean for me? Well, let me start by saying that God is not asking you to be a super mom because you can't be, or a super girl, or a super wife, or any of those things. But guess what? We are adopted, and um, he is content with us just being his kid. We're a daughter of the king, and do you know what that means, girls? Can I get a witness? We are princess. Husbands, look at your wife. Say, you are princess. And you're queen for the day. She wears this thing at home all the time. And I'm going to wear it all day today and don't even think about touching it and taking it off. Seriously, we do have to find our value in God before we can um, live out our purpose. Um, We can't find it in others because they are going to let you down. Uh, My husband cannot meet all of my needs, and I definitely cannot meet all of his needs. He's very high maintenance. No, I'm just kidding. I'm high maintenance. I live in a house full of women. There's lots of high maintenance. (laughs) And we can't find our value in our stuff. You know, we all like to wear nice clothes and have nice things, but those things are going to break. They're going to go out of style, and things aren't just going to look like they're supposed to look anymore, if you know what I mean. You have to know who you are in Christ. And um, I have spent the last six months looking through the scriptures, finding those verses that tell me who I am in Christ because for so many years I lived the lies of everything else that Satan tried to tell me. So here are some of my favorites that I'd like to share with you. The first one is out of Song of Solomon 7.10. I am my beloved. There's a public commercial playing again. Pause for a moment. I didn't do this first service. And his desire is for me. For me, his desire is for me, knowing all the stuff that I've done in my past or haven't done in my present. Colossians 1.14 tells us that we are redeemed and forgiven from all of our stuff. 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20 says we are bought with a price in spite of all that stuff. Isaiah 43 tells us that we are precious and honored. And Colossians 2.10 tells us that we are complete in Christ because of the 
the, what he did on the cross. We don't have to look for it in anyone else or anything else. You're not called to be someone else. It has taken me literally 30 years to learn this. I spent the last 30 years of my life always wanting to be somebody else, to look like someone else, to have what they had, made for a very unhappy person inside. And let me just tell you, it didn't just magically happen overnight. I didn't decide, hey, I'm going to be a princess today, and, you know, it was all magically fixed. It's a process. Your marriage is a process. Your relationship with the Lord is a process. Parenting is a process. But Philippians 1.6 says, it promises that the good work that he has started in us, he is going to complete it. And no two journeys are going to be the same. Yours won't look like mine. So don't beat yourself up when you look at so-and-so and and you're like, well, look how much further along in her journey she is. Yeah, but look how much further along you are than someone else and bring them with you. Yours is not going to look the same, but don't think you're doing something wrong. You're going to make mistakes. I do daily, but don't give up. You're only going to fail if you quit. But the good news is, is that we have help. The Lord tells us in Philippians 4.13 that we can do everything through Christ because he's the one that gives us that strength. And if you're anything like me, you get to this point, you hear all these things, and you go, okay, it's a good story. I see transformation that's happened in your family. I see how God's at work. I see you're changing your priorities. You're doing all these things, but you know, what's that mean to me? How does it equate? What do I do? You know, and I, I think the, the big thing here is when we ask that question, what do I do, it's very simple. A simple answer hard to do. Start the journey. Just that. Start the journey. Start somewhere. It doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be drastic. Like she said, it's a process. It's going to take time, and it's going to to be a long journey probably, but start the journey. Start in the right direction, and there's some ways that we can do that. One, we need to develop our relationship with God, and one of the key things there is, is that word relationship. Husbands, let me ask you this. If you were to make your wife coffee every morning and take it to her in bed before she got up. Be a great and, idea. And if you did this every single day Be in the time idea. that you were married, but that was the only way you ever showed your wife love, how long do you think that would last? Not very long, right? Because that's the only thing you're doing. Relationships don't work that way. We, don't, we can't just squish it all down into a box and go, here's the formula, do this, do this, do this. Relationship is ever-evolving. Relationship is a journey. Relationship is a process. And our relationship with God's no different. You know, too many times we try to squish it into a box and go, well, you have to get up at 5.30 every morning and read a chapter of the Bible and then spend 30 minutes praying. And then, no. Yeah, that, that may be a good thing. And, and maybe that's your style. Maybe that's what you want to do. But relationship is more than that. There's so many ways that you can be in relationship with God. Maybe it's just praying throughout the day, having conversation with him, you know, telling God about what's going on in your life as if he doesn't know already. But, you know, asking him to be with you and to walk with you. Maybe it's driving down the road listening to the radio and just singing along your favorite worship song. You know, maybe it's, um, you know, you get a devotional book that just gives you a simple scripture and some thoughts that you, you, you meditate on or think about. Maybe it is getting up and reading a chapter out of the Bible or 10 chapters or if you have lots of time, 20 or 30 chapters. I mean, whatever it is for you, that's fine. But let that relationship be ever-evolving and ever-changing and ever-growing because you can't just do the same thing over and over and over. That's, at that point, it's just discipline and you begin to miss out on what the relationship's supposed to look like. Build that relationship with Christ along the way. You know, there have been some things that have helped Sherry and I in our journey, we wanted to share with you guys this morning. And these aren't even devotional books so much as 
just books from a Christian perspective that have helped specifically with our marriage. Love and Respect is a huge one. If you've never read this book, I would encourage you. This is a book that all couples should look through. It basically takes that little passage of Scripture that I read to you a while ago from Ephesians 5, and there's a whole book on that one small passage of Scripture, and it paints a picture for you of what marriage is supposed to look like, what love and respect really looks like within the context of Scripture. That's a great book that you can look at. Another one we're reading right now, actually, is called Safe Haven Marriage, and this is another great one. It just talks about creating that safe haven within your marriage, within your family, to where you trust each other and you're vulnerable with one another and you can share your hearts openly and keep moving on that journey. And my personal favorite, oh, great devotional. This is, a, this is the one she has on her iPad and her iPhone and then has the book. And I get emails like every day, do you know what Jesus Calling said today? You know, and it's, it's just a simple scripture and some words to it's share. It's just like the, Jesus is speaking you, to you directly and it's like as if it's in his words. And then there's scriptures after it to, to back up what was said. It is just, it is, it's wonderful. But it, it is just that. It's a very simple devotional book. But it's one of those things that helps on the journey. It's one of those things that helps to develop the relationship. It's just one of many tools. All of these things are. So these are things that you can do. So the first thing you need to do is develop that relationship with God. The second thing that you need to do is seek help. You know, as we told our story, I talked to you about how I went to our pastor team and was sharing with them the struggle we were going through, sharing with them the journey that we were on. And I was expecting encouragement. I was expecting, you know, this little frou-frou kind of stuff back. And instead, I got accountability. I got kind of smacked around. You know, it was basically, you're not doing the right thing. You're not thinking about this the right way. You've got a blind spot. Have you seen this? And sometimes we need that. We just need accountability. We need somebody who will speak the truth in our lives in love. Somebody that we know that we can trust. Somebody that we know has our back. But yet, they'll speak the truth to us, the hard things. You know, and sometimes we actually need to go and get some professional counseling to work through something. Sherry and I have done that two or three times in our marriage, and it's been invaluable to be able to sit down with a professional counselor and talk about the junk going on in our lives and where we were at and just let them speak into that. And too many times I think we get caught up in thinking, well, you know, I can't let anybody know I'm struggling or I can't let anybody know I'm going through a hard time. And you know, if I go to a counselor, that shows I'm weak or it shows that you know, I've got problems. You know, we all have problems. We're all messed up. You know, it, it, I talk to couples all the time that sit right beside you here in church and you have no idea what's going on in their life. And they're just as messed up as you are, but we don't talk about it. You know, and that's why it's important that we seek help. Find a friend that will hold you accountable. Go see a counselor. In fact, that's on your connection card again this week. Don talked about this last week, and we encourage you, if you want to seek professional counseling, but you're not able to afford it, talk to us. Because it's your church family, we want to help you do that. Um, that is, it's just that important that our families be healthy. We want to help you go through that process. And then the last thing I want to tell you is assess your priorities. Begin to make some positive changes. You know, for us, again, it was a journey. It was a process. We began to look at the things that were out of line in our life, look at how the priorities were out of order, and then begin to figure out how do we get them in order? How do we go back and put God first? How do we allow him to speak into our life in such a way that it can bring health to our marriage, in such a way that it can bring health to us as parents and our family? And we began to walk through that process and get those things in order. And I would encourage you that you need to do the same thing. You know, the band's going to come up here in just a second, and we're not going to drag things out this morning. We're not going to make a big, long response time. But I want to encourage you that this is your time. You know, I mentioned a while ago how many couples, it seems like just even in the last three or four weeks, I've talked to eight or ten different couples who are just struggling, struggling either in marriage, struggling as parents, struggling just to keep things together in their family, maybe even struggling to take care of their parents. They've hit that stage of life. There's so many things that are going on in our lives, and we want you guys to be healthy. But you may be sitting there going, well, what do I do? How do I start this journey? You know, what is my next step? How do I do that? 
And we just want to take some time to pray with you, to stand beside you, to walk arm in arm, to be that Azer Connecto for you, to be able to pray with you and ask you to go on that journey and kind of give you some steps to start that. So I'm going to encourage you as the band sings this morning, maybe it's mom that needs to come and, and have, have some prayer about where you are and how you're interacting with your kids. Dads, husbands, maybe it's you that needs to lead your family. and Bring your whole family up and let's take some time to pray. You know, this is not a moment where you're just showing weakness. It's not a moment where everybody's looking at you and going, oh, they're struggling because we're all there. You know, and if you're not there today, you will be tomorrow because we go through this journey of life and sometimes there's ups and sometimes there's downs. So I just want to encourage you this morning as the band plays, we're going to have some leaders standing here in front of the stage this morning. And if you would like some time to pray with someone or to talk to someone about what those first steps are, come up and share with us and allow us to pray with you and help you start your journey. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time that we can share together. I thank you that you love us so much that you are not willing to leave us where we are. You're not willing just to allow us to to fumble in our struggles. But God, you want to bring change. You want to bring restoration. You want to bring transformation within our lives. And you give us the strength to do that. And you love us and you encourage us. And you, you wrap your loving arms around us with people that are here that can walk on the journey with us. And so I pray this morning that you would give strength and that you would give boldness and you would give courage to those who need that moment of restoration, who need to start that new journey and give them the strength to take that initial step this day, to make that commitment to begin that journey. It's not going to be magically fixed today. It's not going to just transform this moment, but it is making that step to say, I'm committed to you and I'm going to follow after what you're calling me to do. So I pray that you would allow families to respond and do that this morning. God, thank you for loving us and thank you for speaking to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.